Georgia Virtue presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Welcome to episode 224. This week, we have some runoff results, an update on the Burke County Sheriff, the inmate who said, just shoot me, and the big news of the week. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is my partner in this endeavor, writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the GeorgiaVirtue.com, Jessica Salaji. Hello, Dave. How was your week? It was busy. There's a lot going on this week. Yeah, there is. Chaos, but it was fine. How was your week? Busy. Uh, uh, this is one of those weeks where... You know, you'd like to you'd like to unplug, but the the news just kept you know slugging at you. Uh, we did see Freddie Freeman come back to Atlanta last week for the first time, and I I think it's very classy of the way the Braves handle stuff with every former player that's coming through to get a ring to do a ceremony for him. But uh, he, he, after watching all the the. The video and stuff, uh, Connie and I were, were both misty-eyed, and, and I don't know why, because I'm not personally involved with who Freddie is, but it, it was uh, uh, it was really well done. And then on the first game, they promptly beat the, the snot out of the Braves. But I know how much you love ball sports. Uh, live and breathe it. I know as soon as we get off uh, done recording, uh, you're going to go turn on baseball, then golf, and, and watch the uh, uh, NBA Finals or whatever the hell else is on. Yes. <laughs> you don't even have anywhere to go with, there, with that, do you? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to like hurry and get the podcast done so I can get back to my sports ball. So you can get back to your sports ball. Well, speaking of getting beaten like a drum, Vernon is out in Georgia 10. He did. He got absolutely obliterated and they called it super early. Like I think like 2%, I mean 2% of the precincts had been officially reported. I think um obviously with the congressional district like your cross counties and I'm sure news was traveling, but he it was a it was a shutout. Like it was bad. It was bad. I don't think he anticipated it being that bad. He didn't do that. He he did worse in the runoff. Yeah, um I don't know where uh, Jones goes from here. Uh, Trump endorsed, obviously doesn't uh, like like I've said several times, doesn't have the doesn't have the 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 umph that some of these candidates seem to think it does. And and, and you know I, I'm I'm proud of the people of the tenth because they they didn't they weren't swayed by by a, an endorsement by, by by the former president who lives out of state. They. They made their own decisions, and, and Vernon spent a bunch of money. Yeah, uh, he was he was on Fox News a bunch. Uh, he 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 would take any engagement that that and, and look that's that's what candidates do is you take every speaking engagement you can get. But the people attempt weren't weren't fooled. They weren't fooled no, by. I mean- Mike Collins had a huge advantage, though. I mean, his dad was the congressman for part of the district, you know, because they've gerrymandered it several times since he was in office. But and he also ran in 2014, which is similar to Rick Allen in the 12th. You know, he ran against John Barrow and lost in the primary and then. Or excuse me, he ran in the primary to challenge John Barrow lost. And then in the next cycle, came back. So he ran for four years, essentially, which is, you know, the Collins name is pretty prominent. He did have that advantage, but did he, I mean, do do people really remember Mac? Well, yes, I think they did because he was in Congress for like forever, a a decade, but like, yeah, a long time, but Mike Collins just ran. Well, there's, there's something to having an organization and not just knowing the district, but even even when you you lose, uh, you keep your organization together, and you continue and you continue to work. I think that's a that's a sad state of affairs that that we don't we don't get an off season. That it's we run from one election right into the next, and it, it we're constantly just beaten over the head with with what's going on politically. It's, it, 
it just seems like we used to get a, get a, a down year. If it wasn't an election year, you know, everything would kind of wind down for a little while. So much, but yeah, they're only talking about twenty twenty four. And like, can we finish up this one first? All right, so Jake Evans is out in Georgia six. Another Trump endorsee. So that was good. Coattails get shorter and shorter, don't they? And then I was uh, super disappointed to see Sherry Gilligan. You know, she she was a state rep um, up in, or she is a state rep until the end of the year in Forsyth County. Um, she, I didn't always agree with their votes, but she did stand up against Ralston a good bit, which put a target on her back. And so she was canned. Um, she lost to Carter Bennett or Barrett. I'm not sure. I'm sure he's going to suck. Um, but I was disappointed about that because... She'd been a voice for one, just other discourse other than the machine. And two, um, I think she was a limited government conservative who at least tried to pick some battles. And even when she was like one of five. So, um, yeah. What- when you fall out of favor with with Rouston, you also fall out of favor with the party, and that dries money up, and it's hard to win an election with no money. Sure. Uh, and any sort of political uh, arena, dollars are bullets, and it's hard to overcome when when the when the the other guys got tons of ammo. So, what's going on with Burke County? Um, so it's just a small update, and I I kind of have to laugh and and cringe at the same time when i wrote we talked about on the show last week and i wrote about it the week prior um with alfonso williams and his forty thousand dollars of absent expenses um or details of those expenses and so um you know he had had a press conference about the newspaper article and i was kind of anticipating like a you know, a little bit of backlash or he, cause he's very public. Like he doesn't, he doesn't shy away from his beliefs. And, and aside from the receipt keeping and everything, like my understanding is he genuinely believes that all of the reasons he spent the money is legitimate. And so I, I just expected him to defend that. Well, as it turns out, um, you know, it, well, and I think we talked about on the show, you know, I, I don't agree with it, but at a very minimum I commend people when they say we could do better because that is not something we hear often from politicians and elected officials and whatever you want to call them. They're politicians. But he put um, he didn't send it to me, of course, because, you know, I'm just a lowly blogger. But he put a statement in the newspaper in uh, Burke County in which he offered a statement on spending issues um, and he didn't address the missing receipts he didn't explain anything about them which i do think speaks volumes but he did say that um you know we've done all this for crime we've done this is what our office has been focused on however this experience and basically the criticism is causing us to look at our record keeping practices and do it in a more robust fashion we are going to keep original receipts and all related documentation in a stricter fashion and like we felt, he said, we felt a credit card statement that shows the date, time, location, and amount spent was sufficient. But, um, you know, and it was less cumbersome, but, you know, giving an opportunity for greater accountability to the citizens to assure them that we are operating fiscally responsible and operating within the proper guidelines, we're going to do more. Um, you know, I, again, I, I think that the money has been, I hate to say misused because that in the general public's mind is like an accusation of a crime. And I I don't want to go that far because technically we don't know because we haven't seen the receipts. But I think it was um, it could have been used for a lot better purposes. And I think that if if you really believe what you believe as an elected official in charge of finances, you've got to own it. And when you don't have any documentation back to back it up, you can't own it. And so, you know, at least going forward, they say they're going to keep receipts. And of course, I'll make sure that they do. But 
Well, that's that's good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm glad it's but it doesn't excuse what has already happened, which is super no, it, it, it doesn't. Annoying. But it but it is it's not an omission of anything, but it's certainly saying that I essentially what I'm hearing is I didn't do anything wrong, but I, I I'm going to do better. I, I, I'm going to make sure that everything is abundantly clear, whatever dollar goes to. And you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, not, not happy about the forty grand, and I don't. Neither you nor I are saying that all forty thousand was was uh, was misused. Right. No, it totally wasn't. I mean, there was absolutely some legitimate stuff in there. So, but we just don't know. Uh, and him saying that you know, the, moving forward, that that's about all. That's about all you can ask for. Well, and I've said all along, like when you say he didn't say I'm sorry, but like when you when you come humbly and say either I'm sorry or I can do better or um, I could do it. I'm We're going to try something different. It just shows an act of good faith, whether it's genuine or not. Um, and so I appreciate that. I also appreciate that the people in the community and also, I mean, I have to commend it because when I said when when people were the people who were angry at me for writing the article, calling me a Democrat plant, which is hilarious because the sheriff is a Democrat. But, um, you know, when when they were angry at me, they're like, well, what do you want to happen? I'm like, I just want them to do better. I just wanted to from this day forward, start keeping receipts. I mean, I don't have any authority to do anything else. I just want him to do it better. So, I mean, I can't say anything else, but I don't. I also understand the community that is frustrated and that like one of the the reporter who um, has been writing this locally in the newspaper was like, you know, this arrogance and his ignorance of the law is costing us money and these antics could cost us more. And we still need to demand answers and hold him accountable. And, you know, he should be embarrassed. And I don't disagree with any of those things. I think those things can still be true, um, even if, you know, because if you or I are driving down the road and we're, we're driving 100 miles an hour and then we see a cop and we drop down to 55, we still committed that bad act. That's a, uh, a pretty good analogy for it. Well, you know, he, so. he, he got, I know you said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you would have said it, wasn't true. Uh, but yeah, he was speeding along and, and like, oh, somebody's, you know, someone's holding me accountable, which is, which is what the, the role of the press is. Is, is to is to is to hold those those folks accountable. That's why we have open records, uh, it, it, you know, in this country, in the state of Georgia. That's why we have uh, open meetings. It's, that's why we have a speech so that everything that's going on is out in front of the of the electorate. So, I mean, good on him for for saying that we can we can keep better records than they will going forward. I mean, I, I, I it's a start. It it it, it is a start. So we have the uh, death row inmate who says, just shoot me. Yeah. Uh, th- this kind of got buried with the other news uh, last week. Everything got buried by Friday. Everything. I mean, I had Friday morning, I had a couple articles and uh, I'm not, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But when the decision about Roe v. Wade came out, I was like, okay, well, cancel, cancel, save as draft, like not going to do anything because everyone is just talking about everything else. But, um, this guy, he was convicted in 2002, well, sentenced to death in 2002 for killing a bystander after a bank robbery in 1993. So he's been on death row for 20 years. I don't know what the what the reason was for the, you know, gap in the crime and the conviction, but he's been on death row for 20 years and through his appeals process, um he i guess he's on he's been on some medications for a long time um for like back pain that is uh debilitating like it's not like something he would take an excedrin for it's a some sort of underlying medical issue that causes the back pain so um He's saying that when those because we've talked, I think we talked about a long time ago on the show, but, you know, the cocktail of drugs, they use three drugs combined in Georgia to, you know, sedate you, stop your heart and something else. I don't know. It's 
that they combine all these things. What? A paralytic. Yes. So, which the paralytic is the, well, I'm I'm not going to get into it, but there's, he's saying that the combination with his would not allow him to be unconscious, unconscious. And then with with the combination of his, the medicine he takes and um, also that his veins are severely compromised because of so much stuff that he's had done over the years. And it would cause intense pain and burning, which without the medicine that he's taken, that is one of the things that has um, caused so much controversy, I think in Oklahoma, Arkansas, and even Georgia, because, you know, we, we give people the paralytic paralytic and then they cannot express that um, they are not just suffering, but like basically being tortured alive and the, the drugs aren't working. And so, so that's, it's a, it's a real issue. Well, anyway, he was like, I just don't want to deal with any of that. Shoot me. Um, and Georgia was like, yeah, we're not going to let you do that because you had to ask under your habeas petition and that time period has passed and all of those were dismissed. And so you've exhausted all of your options and firing squad is not an um, legitimate execution option anymore in Georgia. It used to be, we used to have, you know, firing squad, um, electric chair, lethal injection. Did we have hanging? Oh, I'm sure at some point. Yeah. I mean, but, but for a while, there were multiple recently, ones. On, I, I, I don't yeah, know. I don't. There, we used, I think, I want to say there were five on the books at one point. Um, and so anyway, he, he won, he wanted to be shot. Um, and only four states currently have a firing squad, which is Mississippi, <laughs> no surprise, Oklahoma, Utah, and South Carolina. But um, his case went all the way to the Supreme Court, not the actual anything related to the case, but whether or not he could petition to be shot. Um, And Roberts, Kagan, Kavanaugh, Breyer, and Sotomayor, um, they all said that the challenge could be made. It was a five to four decision. Um, And that it's a civil rights issue, and he can attempt to show that the state's planned method of execution, either on its face or as applied to him, violates the Eighth Amendment prohibition on cruel and unusual punishment. Um, so they're not, they haven't ruled that, yeah, you can go be shot, but um, the state Supreme Court at least has to hear the argument. Of course, Alito and Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett. She said it was looking too far down the road. In my view, the consequences of the relief that a prisoner seeks depends on state law as it currently exists. And under existing state law, there is no question that his challenge necessarily implies the invalidity of the lethal injection sentence. He seeks to prevent the state from executing him in the only way it lawfully can. Well, I mean... I don't know what's more important, putting him to death or making sure we don't torture a human, whether they've been sentenced to death or not. Like we, we, we say that, I mean, I don't care if you're pro death penalty or not. The, we don't torture people. We, we just kill them. So Amy. Well, together, you know, that's, that's, that was the whole idea behind the guillotine was that it was more efficient than the ax and caused less pain. So, you know, Within human history, uh, modern human history, going you know back to the 1600s, uh, we if we have endeavored to find a, a less cruel and more efficient way to to put prisoners to death. When you when you talk about time before that, you talked about impaling. Uh, and, we haven't done uh, a very good job, by the way. No, no, but even lecture chair was 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 supposedly to be. Uh, was supposed to be more, uh, more efficient, kinder. That it it, it would send electric, electric electric shock to the brain and and you know just put their lights out. The death penalty has become less and less efficient. I, I don't I don't know that it has any any effect on crime. It costs a ton of money. The the state having to go argue before the Supreme Court is expensive. And it, they do in almost every single case. I mean, 
So it's not like, oh, it's just a few of them. And then everyone's like, well, like a lot of death penalty proponents say, well, we shouldn't have so many. It shouldn't take so long. They should be killed the next day or within the same year. Okay, well, that's never going to happen because we have a legal system that is supposed to be just. And we don't just take people outside or out back and shoot them in the head, much to the chagrin of the Ogeechee Judicial Circuit. Well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. We, we, we have a process. The, what's, what's amazing to me with the, with the death penalty is how process has so much to do with it. it, it, it it's, uh, it's somewhat obtuse. Like, oh, well, your time to file for this is up, so that's just it. And it, I, from, from what I see on, on this decision, the decision doesn't say you have to be shot. doesn't say that you, you can't get the lethal, lethal injection. It says that the state has, has the, the obligation to right. hear the case. Right. You can't just and throw your hands up and go, you had your chance. And her argument, Amy Coney Barrett's argument against it is that, well, Georgia doesn't allow anything else. Well, tough, Amy. I mean, that's like that's just too bad that you can't say that he doesn't have the right to have his argument heard about cruel and unusual punishment simply because there is no other option. That's the state's problem. Right. Yeah. and, and, And look, if. It may come back around that firing squad is the the most efficient, and least painful way to 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 put somebody down. I don't know. Uh, I will say if we're if we're gonna if we're going to have a, a capital punishment, we need to have a, a a way of doing it. And and I and I don't know what what the we all the reason lethal injection came about was probably because it, it looks a lot easier with, with the paralytic because the person just lays there and goes to sleep uh, for, from Sometimes. what, well, what, what, what everybody else is watching, but yeah, we, you have people with compromised veins and, uh, I and know underlying health conditions that you haven't addressed in prison over the last 20 years. Right. And I know Connie's Connie has uh, rolling veins mm-hmm. that, uh, you have to be really careful when you give her an IV and she had, uh, she she's a back patient, so she she gets injections in her back and all that stuff, um, which are very painful if you're awake for them. Well, one of the one of the nurses putting putting a putting an IV in missed the vein, so it just dumped the uh, the sedative into her arm, not into her vein. So she was awake for the entire procedure. You know, mm-hmm. and once once they get into it, <laughs> you're into it. So I I. I the executions get botched and uh if if we're going to endeavor our government to find the the least cruel way uh you you want to find a way to avoid botched executions yeah and again you you i understand i mean we a lot of times we save most of the time we save the death penalty or at least anymore. A lot of the people on death row, you know, from years ago, I think it was more common, but these days I think district attorneys are more selective in the cases they choose for death row, at least in Georgia. I have seen, you know, like in Effingham right now, the only pending death penalty case is the one where the children were found buried in the backyard because it was so egregious. And again, I don't agree with it, but it's certainly not the hill I'm going to die on because what they did was just, Horrific. Unconscious. Yeah. You can't even, you can't even comprehend it. But, well, that's, so we, and, that, and that's, and that's, and that's the, the, the line that you and I kind of, uh, and I, I'm, a, I don't care if these folks get killed. Uh, my problem is there are so many cases where we find people who were released after uh, DNA t- uh, evidence that was not available 30 years ago comes to light. And you find out we did have the wrong person in prison for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, w- Our system we, is too flawed and too imperfect. And, and, too and it depends on, on the emotions driven. of 12 people uh, too dumb to get out of jury duty. 
But going back to the point about the egregiousness of the cases and everything, I mean, I, I understand like you get people's, I mean, you, you see a case in the Effingham one is not a good one to talk about what I'm talking about, but like we, we are saving them for the most egregious cases. And you say like, I don't care what happens to them. I hope they rot in hell. I hope, you know, we all hope those things. The point is that it's the government doing it and nobody should ever be okay with the government having the authority or the ability or the latitude by accident even to torture somebody. Like that is not okay. I don't care what they did. It's not the government's role. It will never be the government's role ever. And I don't want to live in a country where it is. Well, and that's, and that is that, that is the, the underlying issue is we don't know what happens with these drugs. And, you know, even if 90% of the time everything goes perfectly, uh, that 10%, that that's a, especially for somebody, you know, is going in that that's already, you know, already, probably going to have problems exactly it's preventable at this point so but this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work own or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis also you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at georgiavirtue.com i heard the supreme court did something last week they did a lot of things but the thing we're going to talk about is the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Where do we start this? You know, it, we knew this was coming because of the leak. Uh, the Supreme Court has a, a tendency to dump rulings and, and release, you know, a bulk of them at the same time. But, but this one, this one is, has, has brought out the, the nuts on both sides and uh, a lot of hyperbole and people who don't understand what the ruling was. Well, yeah, I think that's an important place to start, which is that the ruling overturns the decision in that Roe v. Wade was a federally instituted ruling. And this returns the decision back to the states. Like in Roe v. Wade and the privacy issues, they did they decided at what trimester the government had a duty to, I guess, intervene at different levels of government. Well, even even Ginsburg, before she died, said that Roe v. Wade was on very shaky ground. Now, it's not just to the states. It is a win for the uh, the 10th Amendment. But it also, it, it, it puts it back into the political arena. It takes it out of uh, this this legislation from the bench. So if Congress wants to act on this, they have they have full authority to act on it. If the individual state legislatures want to act on it, they are within their full right to to act on it. It doesn't it doesn't make abortion illegal. Doesn't doesn't make it it it, it, do, it does nothing. All it says is the that particular ruling was 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 extra constitutional. Yeah, and the the underlying case with with Roe v. Wade was just that it was, it was a privacy case, and it was it has been in the in the years misapplied. Now, if you want to if you want to uh, uh, guarantee abortions are legal, do it through your legislature. If you want if you want to ban them, do it through your legislature. It's not up to the court to legislate. They acted completely out of their authority in 1973. Well, I mean, arguably the court acts outside their authority a lot more than just one time in 1973. But well, sure. Um, but so my, I want to say first that you know I don't. There's been a couple times where I've put out in like stuff about when especially when Georgia was going through the heartbeat bill process you know I I was against the bill because I don't believe in preemptive legislation ever on any topic I don't believe you should do if this then that like you you're you are charged with the budget and issues that are before you and 
I understand that the it was so that, you know, in the event that Roe v. Wade was overturned, it would immediately become effective, which is not even the case now when we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, I, I get I understand the premise behind it. I just don't agree with that kind of legislating because. We had in 2019, we had issues that were before our state at that time that were not addressed because we were addressing this. The other thing I will say is that. Abortion used to be a topic that people didn't talk about at all because on both sides of the issue and and even to the people in the middle of the issue. It's rooted in deeply held beliefs that are based on circumstances and experiences, whether on a, you know, a personal level or because you watch someone else go through something in either direction on either side and it is very difficult to talk about because people it is one of it the, the simplest way i can say it is that it's difficult to talk about because it is one of the issues where we should listen the most but we listen the least because both sides are so hell-bent on winning and spiking the ball in the other per, other side's face that we don't care why someone believes something i mean we don't that is a, a problem across a lot of issues but on something like this, we should listen more than we speak. And we only hear from the absolute extremes of like late-term abortions and people who have no understanding of, you know, someone being a victim of a crime. Like we have we have zero or the mother's health or whatever. We we're so we're so polar opposite in the spectrum of conversation that there's no room to listen because it's so abhorrent. Yeah, and I t- I told you I was driving through uh, East Cobb on on Friday and saw people protesting on street corners uh, on on Roswell Road. Uh, protesting the the Supreme Court decision now, if if that makes them feel better uh, to protest it, whatever, it's your right. It's a public street corner. Do whatever you want to do. Just don't get in the way of traffic, because uh, that's the best way to get me to to not like you is to impede me getting where I need to go. In this case, it was go home after 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 a long day. Um, <clears throat> but I I. I there's so there's so been so much with with the with this ruling. There's been been so many opinions with very few people actually reading the opinion or, or have a have an understanding of what happened. Uh, well, and I think I can say, and from what I, I I tried to stay off Facebook on Friday morning because I was like, I don't I don't want to read the fits of rage and the spiking the ball over the net in the immediate aftermath. Like, I want to see what some people say after they learn a little, read a little. You know, God forbid we have intelligent discussion about it. Um, but. People don't have the bandwidth for intelligent discussion. No, because it's completely emotion driven because it's on deeply held beliefs or experiences like uh, do, do you have any, any posts. If you agree with this ruling, unfriend me now. Oh, I know. I my feed was full of those. And. You know. We we talk about all the time that the Supreme Court rules on minuscule uh, things. Uh, the and it's should only deal with the constitutionality. Everything else needs to get kicked back down to the state courts. But the, the Supreme Court rules on constitutionality. And that's it. Uh, the The fallout and all that stuff is is neither here nor there. And it, it was a it was a six three decision, wasn't it? Because um, I think even Roberts went with the with the with the majority on this one. Well, and what I was saying about the people in the in the comments in the wake, a lot of, I think in Georgia, because of the heartbeat bill, it's technically not in effect yet because it was ruled unconstitutional because of Roe v. Wade, which I think we all anticipated, 
hence why I was against the bill, because it was preemptive. But there was an injunction put in place, and Chris Carr has said that the state seeks to, is going to petition for a reconsideration of that injunction. Um, And so I think people in Georgia don't, they either don't necessarily know that that's not in effect immediately, or um, I, I don't know, but... It's chicken little stuff. Uh, there's the people out there saying that it'll do away with the morning after pill. It'll do away with 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 all the stuff. Uh, uh, there, Planned Parenthood is out there losing their mind, saying that you know we won't be able to operate and, and women's health care is going to suffer. Uh, we 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 don't know what's going to happen to individual states. I even saw a graphic on. On the news before we recorded, that showed you know all these states in red that were abortions likely to become illegal in Georgia. Was one of us like whoa 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 easy. And and you and I were talking well, before is the show going to become illegal. It's going to become yeah highly highly restricted. Uh, it will be illegal to perform an abortion after six weeks or. I mean it, that's that was the contention with the bill is that the providers will be the ones that are. Yeah. And we're talking before the show that this does nothing but help Stacey Abrams. That this, this ruling will, will allow her to energize her base more and say, I'm, I'm the only one I, you know, she can't turn back the clock, but she can say, I, I I'm the only, I'm the only one in the race that will, that will stop, uh, stop, uh, uh, further laws from being from being passed. I don't think it's just her base though. I mean, I don't I I refuse to believe that everyone is on the fringe of the issue. I believe there are way more people. I remember when the heartbeat bill was going through the legislature and I was in Evans County at a board meeting for the school board. And I was sitting during an executive session. I was sitting with three women, all of whom were over the age of 70, very staunchly conservative Baptist women. And they were all sitting there saying, you know, I don't think I could ever do it. I don't think I could have one. And but one of the women said, I'm not sure I could ever tell another woman she had to carry a baby because I don't I don't know all the circumstance. Like I, she's like, I just don't know that I could be the the arbiter of that. And I remember the other lady, another one of the ladies sitting with her was like, I know that's an interesting point. That's a very good point. I don't know that I could either. And I remember thinking like about rolling off my chair thinking, holy hell, I am in the Bible Belt sitting with women who's. Preachers would probably be mortified that they said this, and but they truly believe that, like they would never do it themselves, but they're not sure. And I, I just, and and I, they weren't advocating for it by any means. I mean, they, you know, they were being, they were adamant that they liked the concept of the bill because they would not do it. But I refuse to believe that people are just on these yelling, you know, I'm so proud. I don't I'm so proud of my abortion or my multiple abortions or I want to tell everybody about it. And this extreme of, you know, I hope you burn in hell if you have one. I don't I refuse to accept that that is where the majority of people are. And so I I just don't think it's only Stacey Abrams's base. I don't think it's a it's a. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's it's only the base. I'm saying this will energize her base uh, in a in a cycle that I think is, is was already heading heavily, heavily, heavily red, and you and you may may have seen a, a lot of a lot of the Democrats stay home, but this this gives her ammunition that she wouldn't have had without the ruling. And, I, and I'm not saying this, that that should be a consideration for, for, for the, the justices. Absolutely not. It's just for uh, for all the uh, all the uh, uh, conservatives and Republicans out there is understand this does put arrows in her quiver. And, and I'm not saying it's going to be a decision maker one way or the other, because most people aren't single issue voters. They aren't, but we will see more of the stuff we and we saw it in 2018. I'm sure you remember when we had like secretary of states and labor commissioners who were endorsed by 
pro-life and pro-choice organizations as if I give a flying, you know what, what my secretary of state, I want to know if you can enforce the laws and limit regulations on businesses that you have the authority to do. That's really all I care about. I don't, I mean, because that is your job. But I think we're going to see a lot more people proclaiming a position on it for the sole purpose of gaining votes, low-hanging fruit. Well, and the governor would be in a position to, to to sign additional laws and and all that stuff. I mean, I've, I've got a friend who's a city councilman, and uh, people were asking him on the on the and the campaign trail, you know, ab- about things like guns and abortion and uh, and Trump, and it's like I'm running for city council. I don't have control over any of that. What difference does it make? And I and, and you know I I truly believe he's 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 probably to the left of me on a, on a lot of stuff, but you know we can still be friends. <laughs> well, a city council person would have more authority to impact something on abortion than Secretary of State. I mean, well, this is true. Like, yeah, like the Secretary city of State person with zoning. Well, yeah, uh, Secretary of State run the elections and stop and stop overly burdening uh, 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 businesses. That's it. That's that. That's it. But we just we, we just we're we're in this in this cycle where people who have nothing to do with an issue and that's and you know even so much as city councilman's is a is a nonpartisan race at least where he is is nonpartisan. But getting getting those questions when 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 on the campaign trail is it's it's self defeating. Uh, to, to to for Secretary of State to go and get get an endorsement for from the Right to Life Foundation or whatever it is, I I, I mean I appreciate that the, the I don't know I just it it's like the NRA endorsing a labor commissioner. What damn difference does it make? Or a department or, or the the Agriculture Commissioner, like that. What does that have to do? What 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 does the the ag commissioner have to do with with abortion? Nothing. Stick to stick to you know have that candidate sit sit in their box. But you know we we could we could easily do an hour on the uh, just the just the 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 coverage with the with the protests and and all that stuff, but. Well, Let's you said get- that. Well, hold on, really quick. You said that there are some because um, talking about the illegality, and since it's not a procedure that is covered by insurance, to my knowledge, I, I can't. I mean, I don't. I don't think it. You can go there. The argument is that people, women, will have to travel across state lines. And you had said that you saw some headlines about. I did that. There's several companies, including Meta, which owns Facebook. Uh, Starbucks, I believe, is one of them. Disney that will pay for uh, an employee's uh, travel time and travel expense to go from a state like like Georgia to to another state in order to to receive an abortion. <sighs> I mean, obviously, they have that right as a private company. That is sure, is, you know. But um, and we we are talking before the show about how. In those instances, it's obviously that it's obvious that those companies started preparing their policies. If they're already, you know, ready to be put in place, they were preparing that when the leak came out, so that they could come out swinging about it. Because, you know, there's no way that they could get that instituted in an hour and a half. But um, it's and, an and, interesting. And, and I, you know, and I said that it. From a from a bottom line standpoint, it is far cheaper to pay for your employee's abortion than it is to have uh, have someone on maternity leave for three months, and then have and, to re- reinstate the job. You know, just just from a from a business owner standpoint. Clarence Thomas has said that in his um, he wrote an opinion that obviously was concurring, but offered some other perspectives and and he said that there are other things that we should revisit like contraception and gay rights, gay marriage, all that jazz because of the state issue. Um, the floodgates that, I mean, well, 
the the, the, the floodgates. Yeah, the 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 gay marriage thing. Uh, I said when it happened, I, I think we were on the show. It was the right ruling for the wrong reason. Uh, it should have come down that government has no place validating the relationship of uh, between consenting adults. Yeah, it's all about taxes. Right. But it, it, that 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 should have been the, the 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 reasoning behind the ruling, not not that it's that's you know that it's gay rights or straight rights or anything else. But the state has no has no place to to validate or invalidate the relationship between consenting adults. Uh, and I'll, I'll say if 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 you want to have three wives and everybody's consenting, more power to you. I couldn't handle three wives. I mean, I have, have three women in the house telling me what I'm doing wrong. But but it, it, as, as far as government has no has has no role in regulating bigamy or, or gay marriage or anything else, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's an agreement between private parties. And as long as everybody's of, of age and everybody's consenting, I just don't care. I don't care what you do. So, uh, Thomas probably should have just kept quiet on that, but I, I, I don't know who would bring a, 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 a case before the Supreme court to try to try to outlaw uh, gay marriage again. I, I don't, I just don't, I, 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 I just don't see it personally. I, I don't see that happening, but I've been wrong before. So Ross Harris conviction, uh, overturned. This is nothing that got buried, uh, once the the bomb got dropped on Friday, uh, Ross Harris, if, if you if if anybody recall, is the guy who left his his son in a Cooper in in his car when he went to work and left him in a in a hot car and in the Home Depot parking lot, the uh, Home Depot corporate headquarters, and and and, Co- and Cooper died. This was in 2014 summer. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, he says he forgot his son was in the car. He was not the one who normally took him to school um, or to daycare, you know. And there, the case was awful. I think it was one of the most, well, I think it still is the most high profile hot car death we've ever seen. I mean, they live streamed the trial, which there are hot car deaths every year. Um, sometimes there are charges. Sometimes there are not. They charged him with malice murder in addition to the other things. I never understood that. They, I mean, well, I, I shouldn't say I never understood that. I never agreed with that. I think you hold a different opinion because the argument was that he was being, he was, um, you know, having some affairs outside of his marriage and um they really focused on the infidelity aspect and that he wanted to free himself of his life with his then wife and his son however his now ex-wife stood by him and testified on his behalf at trial she she has never departed from saying that despite his um, per, poor decision making in their marriage that she had no question that he didn't do it on purpose. Well, I listened to the trial. Uh, obviously, uh, I was I was I I had it on the radio. I mean that that's 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 how big this trial was. That it was not only being live streamed, but it it, it was locally in Atlanta. It was it was on it was on the radio, and it was one of the more painful things that I've listened to. Um, oh, it's, I mean, it's tragic. It was, you know, a- absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, the, look, this guy is weird. Like he's uh, not is, talking about his, his infidelity. Is that a crime? No, but I'm I, like, they, he and his wife had like, I mean, it's the the way they talked it was just odd to me and and I'm going off of memory but uh, I said I always tell told him I love you Cooper just just in you know in case he died or something like that it was like it was like stuff that you don't hear people say uh, 
the overturning doesn't mean he can't be recharged. Correct. And it was only part. They overturned malice murder and first degree child cruelty. He had other charges that he like he's not. I mean, he's he will still serve time for those. But here's my question as somebody who because he got a life sentence without parole plus 32 years in 2016. Do you think that he got a fair trial? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I I mean, the the publicity, the publicity was so. I mean, it was out of this world. There was nobody in that in that jury pool that didn't know about it. I mean, they even did a change of venue because the the crime happened in Cobb County and they moved it. uh, I can't remember where they moved it, moved it off to South Georgia somewhere, didn't they? I knew before you said that, but I can't remember. But yes, they did. And but. The opinion of the Supreme Court of Georgia was that the extensive evidence about the appellant's extramarital sexual relationships in court was, quote, needlessly cumulative and prejudicial. And then here's the part that I thought was like, holy heck, they said a a lot by saying this. Because the properly admitted evidence that appellant maliciously and intentionally left Cooper to die was far from overwhelming... We cannot say that it is highly probable that the erroneously admitted sexual evidence did not contribute to the jury's guilty verdicts. Basically saying, like, if you, if we, if they had, they presented so much evidence that he was a piece of crap and a horrible husband. And, you know, some of the evidence was that he was interested in underage girls. If they had not admitted all of that and used all of that, they're not sure if there was enough evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he maliciously and intentionally left his child to die. And I think that that's, I mean, that statement to me is freaking profound. That's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and that's one of the things that made, that made, made it hard to, hard to listen to uh, was because the guy is a piece of crap. I mean, he's just, he's just a, uh, garbage human being, uh, and that, and I'm sure that that did make its way in, into the uh, jury's deliberation room. And I guess, I guess the prosecutors knew what they were doing. They, just, they all, they all studied trial science. So I said, I just want to like talk about how right I was in 2016. I posted, I I covered the trial at length too, but I said in a Facebook post after he was sentenced that, um, you know, he's obviously made some mistakes. He has terrible judgment and he may very well be a bad person, but we don't lock someone up because they may be a bad person. And I did not believe that the state ever proved malice, only that he did in fact leave Cooper in the car Um, and said, you know, apparently in his... Statements to investigators after the incident, Harris said he would like to be an advocate to parents in an effort to try to prevent these types of things from happening again. Judge Staley, Mary Staley, told him after sentencing that he achieved that goal. Yeah. I I mean, you don't you don't that. (laughs) Give me a break. I know. I just I I even put a put a a comment down there. F this MF -er, because he's just such a piece of crap. Okay, but, uh, but but did the, the state did the state prove if the state had a prima facie case without bringing up what a piece of crap he was that they would have done that? Listen to this. So this is from 2020 when he started. Um, well, this is what I put out when he. You know, remember when they said that they appointed Joy at Holmes, who was the Cobb District Attorney at the time, to serve over the um, Ahmad Arbery McMichael stuff right so um ross you were right about south georgia they the ross harris case was in glenn they swapped to the brunswick judicial circuit um and used a jury from down there which might explain a lot because those are the people who elected jackie johnson a couple times (laughs) but um so i mean they really don't have a clear understanding of justice until 2020 but um 
it, the whole thing was just Joy at Holmes had a relate like all of them had relationships. That I I just don't think he had a fair trial. And if you want to sentence him to, if he, I think he should be held accountable. I don't. I'm not even sure that for an accident. I think that there should be, you know, leaving a child in a car to die. Um, even if it was completely an accident, I I think there should be some sort of consequence. I'm not sure what that is. But yeah, and if look, you're going to sentence I, I, someone I, to life plus 32 years, you damn well better prove it. Yeah, and this is one of those things where I understand how it could happen. You're running, running late, not thinking about it, the baby sleeping in the back, not making any noise. And, you know, you, you run into the office. I, I, I understand that it could happen. And look, there was some bizarre behavior, like, after, uh, after the fact, and some of the questions that he asked, and... Uh, and some of his search history. So there's 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 other stuff out there, and I'm going off a of memory. I mean, you know, I'm going off an eight year eight years ago with with my memory on this. Uh, he's just a I don't know, but if you're right, if you're going to stand on principle, you stand on principle. And if if the state did not pr- provide a prima facie case, you you can't take somebody's life from them. And and look, life was 32 years without parole was taking his life from him. Yes, and here's my thing. If you had to move, if you, in Cobb County, where there were, at the time, 900,000 people, of course, some of them are kids and not all eligible to be jurors because, you know, whatever. They'd be but just as good it, as anybody else. The, the county is massive. And if you couldn't find an impartial jury there. Well, there's nowhere, I, you, can, I, there's, there's, there's nowhere you, could move the, you could move the trial that, that people wouldn't, would not know uh, and what then was going had, on prosecutors who got their rocks off by throwing the book at the guy and and the Cobb County District Attorney's office you know what's ironic about this um let's not forget who was the Cobb County District Attorney when Ross Harris was tried and convicted his name was Vic Reynolds who until Friday was the director of the GBI appointed by Kemp if that makes you feel any better about it doesn't make me feel any better about it but you know until he was he was the DA then it was um then there was when he was appointed there was an interim then they had another district attorney and now they have another one because Joy at Holmes lost in 2020. So, I mean, we're like four DAs away from where we were when this happened, but they said they're going to ask the court to reconsider it because they don't want him to. Um, they they, yeah, they what, don't want what, this to be. What stuck? It was, uh, uh, didn't he have a, uh, uh, something to do with underage girls? I think that's what stuck. So he's not walking free. I mean, there's, there's Correct. time to, there's, there's time six to, other to, charges, all of which were less. Yeah, and there's time to to recharge if, if that's if that's what they decide they want to do. And look at 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 this point, it, most people probably don't even remember who Ross Harris is. And the fact that this decision came down in a week that was just, I mean, just bombs dropping from from uh, from SCOTUS uh, left and right last week. This thing, this kind of got uh, kind of got disappeared, and most people probably don't remember. So if they he would have a better chance at a, at a fair trial now because the the coverage just isn't you know people just don't have the bandwidth to 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 just keep up with that. But just as we're as we're running long, uh, you got a th- closing thought. It's kind of long, but and just in complaining about the courts this week, I just um, encourage you to go to the georgiavirtue.com to read the whole article. But um, you know, obviously, we hear lots of stories about jailers and corrections officers sleeping with inmates and um, they're charged with sexual assault because under Georgia law, an inmate cannot consent. And we, we talk about, you know, I mean, that's, that's not a good thing, like whether it's consensual or it's sexual assault in on the outside world, it's not a good thing to be a jail officer sleeping with inmates. I I don't condone that behavior. However, um, a lot of times it is consensual in the sense of like, it is not a forcible, violent, assault the the inmate a lot of times females pursue the the male guards and all this stuff so anyway going to effingham county um there was a jailer this week who was sentenced 
for his uh, behavior towards three inmates who he just uh, he groped their breaths and um, other private parts and their behinds and kissed one of them. Um, and he got 50 years to serve in prison. And there was another Effingham jailer uh, seven years ago who was who pleaded guilty to the same offense. He had two inmates instead of three. And he actually had oral sex and sexual contact with them, both of them. And he got six months at a probation detention center, 10 years on probation and a thousand dollar fine. And same county, same jail, same judge, same crime, same everything. Only difference is one. I mean, I can't imagine that one more inmate justifies 50 years over 10 years probation, but whatever. But just the discrepancies in the way we sentence and the way that um, judges have so much freaking authority to just throw the book at people if they're having a bad day. Yeah, you get you get the justice you can afford. Go read the article. No, they both had public. Well, you're right. You do get the justice you afford, but they... Um, I don't, it's just, it's sick. It's so sick. It's so sick. Well, I actually have a real quick, and this is not a long one, uh, a happy one. Uh, former guest and friend of the show, Ken Poland, uh, has got his family in Italy right now. And it, what, it, what makes me happy about it is, I, you know, I grew up in a, in a Delta family, so grew up traveling. But I think what he's doing for those kids by expanding the horizons and, and, and taking travel, and I'm just so happy that, that we can do stuff like that again, that, you know, that you, you, you're able to, able to, and I truly believe that uh, travel expands the mind, uh, despite how small mine is. But be able to, to to get, I think his kids are teenagers, but but be able to, to to do that, and you know, with after the last few years of or last couple of years of of travel restrictions and shutdowns and everything else, I just I, I'm I'm very envious of of if when I see the pictures of of, of him and uh, him and his kids in Rome, uh, very envious. So I I am so glad that that the world is open again. I mean, I wish it would have taken us. Yeah, I know. His son Ken. listens. His son listens and he listens. That's 50% of the family, which I know. By math standards makes us part of the family, but whatever. And and look, we would have been happy to broadcast uh, and record the show from Rome. It'd been great. Yeah, I would take I would have <laughs> taken pictures too. <laughs> Just have be the designated travel companion with the, with the camera. Absolutely. So, Ken, so for for Jessica Slodge, my partners in this endeavor, for Eric Cumbie, our awesome editor, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week. Oh, I've been running from the law. Hope they won't shoot me down soon. Catch me howling at the moon